¿Dónde están perros? Quiero verlos saltando. Deme más perros. Quiero verlos gritando. Quiero más perros. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Cholos Unplugged podcast here for East Village Times. I'm your host, Francisco Velasco. I'm here with Andre Beltran. How are you doing, Andre, today? Uh, ready to talk about, you know, Cholos last few games. Uh, haven't been the best game for Cholos, but yeah, ready to talk uh, some Cholos today. Yes, sir. You already know I'm always down to talk about some Cholos. Uh, once again, uh, we're doing this after the last three games. Kind of do that more to give uh, to give us more to talk about and give you guys better and more content because in the game of soccer, talking about one game is just uh, really not enough time. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, I'm excited to do this again. And um, I mean, it's going <laughs> to we were pretty wrong again on our predictions uh, <laughs> this time. But, um, you know, I'm excited to talk, get into it and see where the Cholos stand now and how can they how they can improve and try to make it into the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, we were uh, pretty wrong, like Andres said there at uh, the last few games. Uh, first game, you know, that we're going to uh, dive into right here is the Pachuca 2-1 loss against uh, Raider in Pachuca. Um, yeah, it was a pretty rough game. It was a pretty, uh, you know, unspectacular game, I would say. Uh, right there for Cholos. Uh, only goal was by Fabian Castillo. Uh, goals there by Pachuca by Ismael Sosa. Penalty and then Kevin Alvarez. Uh, and then a red card there for Pachuca. But that was until the end of the game, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, uh, for this game, uh, Gede decided uh, to bench uh, Fidel Martinez, which is kind of an interesting decision. He's been doing that, you know, for a few games. Benching Fidel, starting Fabian Castillo, kind of switching it up. Uh, still looks like he doesn't really have a, a clear starting 11 uh, right under. Yeah. I mean, this was a big topic we talked about last time. It's, he, he's still having trouble establishing that consistent starting 11 that he should he should be putting on the field every game. Um, it's really – it's just it was kind of crazy to me. Like, why would you bench your best player in uh, pivotal – like, all league games for Cholos now are pivotal – because of the fact that before these three games, you were in a better spot to make the Liga. And now after, you know, these last three games, you're not as much. I mean, I think you're one spot out of, you know, getting eliminated. So they're still in it. But yeah, I mean, that was really, um, that was a big shocker to me. I don't know what he was thinking about benching Fidel. I mean, the guy is the biggest playmaker on the team by far. Um, so I think that was a mistake doing that. Um, like I, like you also said, it was just a pretty underwhelming game. Um, the thing with Tijuana that I don't understand is um, if you look at the stats for other games, they usually are the ones who dominate possession of the ball um, every game. Like this game I'm looking at right here is 65% possession by Tijuana and 35% by Pachuca. But uh, Pachuca were obviously better at executing. And even though they were they the worst team in the league going into that game, so yeah, I mean, yeah, they were. Yeah, so I don't, I don't get it. Um, but like, like you said, and like I said, get yeah, it needs to. Um, you know, we've talked, we talked about it so much last time where I'm just like, like really, dude, like, you know, you, you, we, you have your starting eleven. Uh, I mean, at least Castillo played. Like we were talking about him. You know, at least he got to go in and play the game. He scored a goal. Like he's a playmaker also. But I mean, what's your opinion? What, what do you think about? Given what why he did that. Yeah, you know, it was pretty interesting. I think he's been trying to like mostly find uh who could be like that spark player, that creative player, uh, between Castillo and Fidel. But I think Castillo is more like uh, an explosive type of player, like a, a fast type of player. And I think Fidel is, has offers a lot more creativity in the lineup. Uh, but I think he's just trying to find that key player. Uh, he, I mean, again, Santos, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but he did play them together uh, and, it, and it didn't really work out for anything. <laughs> uh, but uh, in this game in particular, you know, yeah, like you said, um, it didn't really work out for, for Gede and Cholos right there. And yeah, like you said, like Pachuca was pretty much the worst team heading into this game uh, at the time. Uh, they hadn't won a game before this one. Uh, and to put into context, I mean, they're, they're starting strikers, 37 years old <laughs> in, in that game. And uh, he's, he, he was a player at Roberto Nurse that, that's basically been playing in the second division his whole career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pachuca not the best team. 
And this was a pretty bad result. Again, Cholos, you know, it is typical Cholos, though. I mean, you expect them sometimes to get these road, like, results, and it just doesn't work out on the road uh, for whatever reason. I mean, they really, really struggle uh, away from home. Uh, this has been constant over the last few years. It looked a little bit better this season at the beginning of the season uh, when they got those results on the road. But again, uh, like I said, like just typical Cholos away from home. I'm just glad that um, my my favorite player, Sansores, um, I'm just glad he wasn't in it, the lineup. So. <laughs> That's all I get. Uh, <laughs> and he, he hasn't been in it for the last few games, so pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think he finally got the picture, like, we're not in Morelia. Like, <laughs> get him out of there. <laughs> yeah, talking about this game, like I said, like, you said pretty underwhelming. I uh, already talked about it a little bit, but the game against Santos, uh, one to nothing there uh, at the Estadio Caliente, uh, which is not a result. That it's, also, it's also a pretty bad result there for Cholos as well. I mean, at home, you, that's where you want to be getting, you know, the three points. Santos is a pretty good team. I mean, they've been playing pretty well this season, but still – uh, when you take into context, uh, right there, that uh, I think Santi Munoz wasn't in the game, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. no, yeah, he was. He was. He, sorry, he was. Uh, I think he was Cam, right? He's playing tagging me. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure they had someone that was missing. Well, the point is that at home, you really want to be getting these results, and I also think this was a pretty bad result there for Cholos. I don't know where your thoughts are on the overall result there, Andre. Yeah, I think like I mentioned the last time. Um, this was going to be the game where it was like kind of iffy for me because they were so they were so close to each other. I think they were one place um, apart in the table going into the the first these three set of games. Um, so I mean, the one zero loss isn't like a huge surprise. Um, I still think Cholos had what it took to beat them, but I mean, like we said, Santos is not a bad team. They have uh, they've been playing pretty well up to date. Um, they have a they have a the thing with them is they have that that lineup already like set. So they we're gonna see the same guys in and out every week. Um, Munoz and Doria, like that that guy is one of the best defenders I think in Liga MX. Doria, the Brazilian dude. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he plays really well, and we saw that against Tijuana. Um, and then Acevedo, the goalkeeper, young goalkeeper. I mean. He's been playing pretty well all the season, too. Saying well enough to keep Hibran, the ex-Cholo, out of the lineup. I mean, that guy has not seen a field since he left Tijuana. So, um, yeah. But I, I feel like I feel like Santos played pretty well. But like I said uh, about the Pachuca game, Tijuana dominated this, like, possession the whole game. It's the same thing. 65% every game they have all these possessions and – the thing that killed them in this game, I think it was the fouls. I think it was like 17 against Santos. So they had a lot of fouls. They didn't have any yellow cards, but they had a red card, and that was for Jara. Yeah. Yeah, and it was at the end of the game as well. It was yeah, like, so uh, like at stoppage time, I believe. I think it was like so, the Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. Game. Yeah, I think it was yeah. like the 93rd or 4th. So, um, I mean, it's not like they missed him the entire game, which I think would have been a lot worse. Santos probably would have scored a lot more goals on them or at least another one. So, but not this was not a huge surprise to see them. And it's it's not like they lost by four or five goals. They, they only lost by one, and it was pretty early in the game. So I think they did a, a decent job kind of, you know, holding them to just one goal. So uh, props, kudos to that. But uh, they could have done a lot better in attack. I, they had the lineup that I think they should have week in, week out, which is, uh, Manotas, and then you have Castillo Martinez on the wing, and then Barbona and Soronza, and then in the back, obviously, Angulo, Jara, Guzman, and Loronia, and then obviously Jonathan and Gold. So that that would be like my starting 11 every week, and they didn't play that well, but, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, same for me. That, that was pretty surprising, right? The, it was pretty underwhelming. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, Fidel Martinez and, and both and Fabian Castillo were both in the lineup and the offense just, they had, like you said, they had possession, but just didn't produce enough uh, there to, you know, beat Santos, beat Acevedo there in net. Uh, it was, yeah, like I said, this game overall, it was uh, pretty lackluster, but yeah, the offense was very, very disappointing there. Yeah, and, and you know, with the, with the, with the constant need for a uh, consistent 11, and this is, like I said, this is like the perfect one. Uh, 
that looks like it should have been the perfect one that uh, Garrett put out. And I mean, it's not like they got blew out or anything. So I think, you know, give this team, this particular lineup, better chance or uh, more chances. I think they'll, in the end, they'll, they'll start executing better and, um, you know, kind of mesh well together if they keep saying consistent lineup. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens there together because, you know, you, you just never know together now. I mean, you also don't know with his tactics, too. I mean, he started the season being kind of more defensive, being uh, more conservative, trying to get those counterattacks, and switching up his style of play from what it had been with Morelia. Morelia, he was, like, he's playing now, you know, possession-based, uh, trying to be more aggressive there, more high pressure, uh, which is what he's doing now, uh, really, in the last few games. Uh, so it's kind of weird, you know, the guy that just hasn't been consistent at all with anything, like his tactics, his lineups. I mean, it hasn't been a bad season. I can't say it has been, you know, a terrible season, but uh, you. I don't know what your thoughts are there, Andre. Um, can you repeat that? Like the last couple parts, my, my network's acting a little crazy. <laughs> I know where it's no worries that, you know, Gather hasn't really been consistent uh, with his tactics, with his uh, lineups. I was yes. saying like you would like to see more consistency, right? Because at the beginning of the season, it was, it was a bit more defensive. And now it's uh, more possession-based, more high pressure, like he was with Morelia, like the Gather that we knew, you know, in the Liga Mankeys that we saw. Um, I, I'm just saying like, for the for a manager, I think you would like to see a bit more consistency. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, consistency is key to a successful lineup and or to successful team and results. Getting results. All great teams have a set lineup, no matter what league you're in. Doesn't matter if you're in La Liga and the Premier League and Bundesliga and Liga MX, whatever. Um, having that constant lineup is just going to help you week in, week out. And we talked about it last time. And I said, you know, I mean, Manota or Manotas, Gede has been having a better season than I expected because the last couple torneos have been like second to last place or, you know, very low in the standings and, you know, not expected to make La Liga. And, and then going into this one, it's like, okay, like, you know, they're gaining momentum, they're doing better. And they were at, they were first place for like a week, and then they were second and third and all that stuff. And you know, you're kind of like, okay, Gede kind of got it together where his players are meshing well, they're 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 getting along, they're playing well as a team. But he had that trouble with uh, not un inconsistent lineups, and that's what we we keep seeing that right now. Um, like I said, Tijuana are notorious for bringing new managers in all the time. And, you know, if this happens where you lose the games that you're supposed to win and you win the games you're supposed to lose, it's like, you know, what, what, why keep the same person here for that reason? Like, you know, you want to be consistent. You want to get, you want to be on top. Um, usually you want to be on top for the most part. And, Tijuana, I feel like a team that can, and they have the talent to do so, and they're just not taking advantage of it. And that's partially Geddes' fault because he can't establish that starting lineup. And, and if he does, uh, I feel like they'll be better. They'll be better off. Uh, but if he doesn't, it's just going to be, like I said last time, it's just going to be him opening the door more for them to kick him out. So we'll see what happens with him. And in terms of uh, of tactics, uh, do you prefer what we saw at the beginning of the season, a bit more defensive, more counterattacking type of play? you think that works better for this team? Or do you think uh, the way Tijuana has been playing recently, well, more possession-based, uh, more true together play, I would even – I would say. Uh, so, yeah, personally, me, I prefer – you know how Tijuana has been playing recently with uh, more possession-based, more, that's what I prefer uh, to see from this team. But uh, do you think it works better uh, for this particular team, or do you think uh, Gede's tactics there at the beginning of being a bit more defensive, counterattacking, uh, work better for Tijuana? Um, I personally think that the more defensive 
lineup or tactics worked a little bit better. Um, I think there was just better results when they were performing that tactics. Obviously, the possession base can only get you so far, and it does work for teams, but it's not working for them. So, you know, 65% possession, but you're losing 1-0, You know, obviously, if that's what's happening, there needs to be a change in the tactics. So, and, and get is known to be more of a defensive kind of coach in Tijuana, at least. So, I mean, obviously it didn't work last season, but I think this season with Hara and like a little bit more defensively dominant players in the lineup, it works a little bit better. So if you have a guy like that and you have Jonathan and you have Vangulo and all those guys in the back that can make it a lot easier for you to get possession of the ball, but be defensive, defensive minded, then that's what you need to do because as a team, you're supposed to do what you're better at. And in this case, it, this season, it looks like they're better at being a defensive team, even though they have those, those, uh, those offensively minded players in the front, like Fidel and Castillo and, and uh, Manotas. Um, they can be defensive too, if they have to, but um, yeah, they got to do what works for them. And obviously the defensive uh, tactic is the one that works. Well, Gonzalo, did you use against the possession-based uh, tactic there? Uh, 61% possession. Uh, but this was a pretty pretty good game here for, for Cholos. Uh, Three-to-one result there against Querétaro. A uh, couple goals by Fidel Martinez, goal by Mauro Manotas. Another fantastic game there by Fidel. Mm -hmm. uh, only goal for, from Querétaro there was an own goal by Victor Guzman. Uh, Gonzalo Jara was not in lineup, of course, he got the red card. Uh, so the center back pairing there was uh, Guzman uh, with Eduardo Tercero. Uh, and then uh, Loroña wasn't available for this game, of course. He was with the uh, U23 team. So uh, Jaime Gomez played uh, there. Uh, and then it was uh, Pavez, uh, Rivera, Barbona, Soronza, uh, Fidel Martinez, and Mauro Manotas. This has been the lineup that Gede has used the most uh, throughout the season. Of course, with Jara in there, uh, usually. Uh, but yeah, this has usually been the lineup that uh, Gede has used the most. It worked out here. Uh, you know, there, uh, Fidel Martinez, a spectacular performance. Uh, your thoughts on this game, Andre? Yeah, obviously, this was the best game of the last three games. Um, and, you know, the guys that are the, going out and scoring the goals, per usual, is Fidel and uh, Mauro. So they went in and they executed. Uh, in the second minute, I mean, Fidel scored right away. It's like, you know, when usually when you get a game started that early in yeah. attack, and you score a goal, it's usually going to go your way. And Manotas, right after, boom, fifth minute, again, another goal. So it's just like, damn, 2-0 in the sixth minute already. Like, you're going to get you're gonna get started. And then then the own goal, like, right away after. Yeah, two. Like, right, like, literally a minute, two minutes after, and it was by Victor Guzman. So, like, at least Tijuana scored the four goals in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then Fidel yeah. in the 31st, and then they held it down defensively until the end of the game. So that's that's uh that lineup I think did well even without Loronia and Hara. Um you know maybe you know with that performance I mean it's not like Querétaro is like great but I mean they did held their own. I mean they beat Querétaro they should have had no problem beating um Pachuca. So they didn't but um you know I enjoyed the way they played, and uh, like we like we mentioned, you know, benching Fidel isn't the best idea when the guy comes and scores two goals. I mean, he consistently has been doing that this season since they brought him back. They brought him back for a reason because he knew he could do that, and he's a club legend for a reason. So, and I'm just also glad that Manotas, you know, like we like we've been like we've mentioned almost every podcast is like he started off so bad where it was just like, wow, like we brought this guy in from Houston because he was, he was, he was scoring goals in Houston in the MLS. And, um, you know, we thought he would be able to uh, transfer that goal scoring success into the Liga Mackeys. And at first he couldn't, but I mean, he's picked it up really well. I think he's done a fantastic job uh, improving since his first game and I'm happy for him. And I'm glad that Fidel and him have developed that chemistry that they have when they're on the field together. So I don't know what you think, but I think that um, on their good days, these two are one of the best attacking pairs in the Liga and Mekis. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially this season. I mean, you look at the numbers there, right there uh, for Fidel and Maru Manotas. Uh, yeah, Manotas' progression in the Liga MX has been pretty impressive. First few games, like you said, not the best. But now, I mean, uh, he seems pretty comfortable out there. He seems pretty comfortable, especially with Fidel, like you said. Uh, that they have that chemistry there in the attack, and that's very important for any Liga MX team. You want to have that chemistry uh, with your uh, attackers, whether it's three attackers, whether it's two. Fidel Martinez and Manotas uh, has really good chemistry. You could, you could argue, you know, that's probably uh, some of the best chemistry you'll see in the Liga MX uh, this season. I mean, they really, really understand each other. They get those plays going, those passes. And um, Fidel more, you know, the creative player, Maru Manotas, the finisher. Uh, there but um yeah I mean it, it's been pretty impressive to see that pairing uh we'll see you know if, if later on you know if, uh, Fabian Castillo gets in there as well I mean I mean usually when he comes in also he plays pretty well uh off the bench uh but yeah overall like you said a great game especially you know while Loronia uh there he usually helps out in the attack as well uh, I mean Jaime Gomez is a bit more subtle in this game uh but yeah Loronia um not in this game but you know did pretty um did pre well with Mexico over there. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Eduardo Tercero, though, in this game, a pretty pretty good game there from Eduardo Tercero, who's who stepped in for a few games. Uh, even even when Jara's been healthy, uh, I think, um, or uh, sorry, when Guzman's been healthy, um, uh, you know, Gede has experimented a bit using Tercero there, and he's been doing a pretty solid job, did a pretty solid job in this game. So, yeah, overall, I would say a pretty good game by Tercero and by Cholos in general. I mean, 3-1 to win at home. Uh, it's what you're you want you know against Querétaro a side that uh, does pretty well at home but uh, struggles on the road and um, yeah solid three points here for Tijuana any final thoughts under uh, for this game yeah I mean you know the three one um, score it was it reflected the way that the game was played I think Querétaro didn't do that great of a job defending um, obviously. Uh, but it just also shows that when Tijuana's on at home, they're really on. Like, that's their – they enjoy playing there. I mean, the way they play is because of the turf and the and how it's – the field is in Tijuana. Yeah. So, um, that's why, like, a lot of people who think they just struggle at home at away because it's – like, it's just – that's not the reason. They, they struggle away because they play on turf. And – I'm not mistaken. Are they the only team in the Liga that does that, or are they one of, like, two or three that does that? On turf? Yeah. Yeah, only team in the league. Yeah, the only team in the league that plays on turf. And that – I mean, I I never played soccer like that, so I don't know. But I what I do know is that turf is playing – playing on turf is a lot different than playing on the grass. You know, you wear a different type of cleat. You know, you have all these different types of things. So – and especially if you're playing professional soccer against teams like America or Tigres, teams that are dominant and they play on grass week in, week out, you know, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be difficult for you to go and play on grass when you're playing on turf at home every game. So I think they, they do not, they do well at home because they're used to playing on turf. But um, I mean, that's not the only reason I think that they just, you know, they found their mojo in this game and, um, you know, they played as good as they could and they obviously worked out in their favor. But I mean, yeah, those struggles that way are because, um, you know, of a lot of reasons. So, yeah, I think they just need to figure out like how how to play away from home, because I mean, I feel like this season should be a lot easier for them to play away from home because they're used to not having fans anyway. I mean, yeah, there's other the other teams have fans, but, um, you know in the time of COVID, I mean, you're usually playing in an empty stadium until recently. So it should be like playing at home or a neutral site every single game. I mean, you're not going to have the, the, the fans there. You're not going to have that environment that you're used to that you're usually successful in. So, uh, yeah, that's for me, that's just, that's the reality of it now. Yeah. That, that's been odd. Uh, the Liga Mekis, it seems like, uh, it seems like, you know, it shouldn't really matter if you play at home or away, but it still seems like it, it makes a factor in the Liga Mekis. I mean, uh, we talk about Querétaro. They're a side that at home has been, like, flawless. They've been really, really uh, good at home. And then away, they just crumble. Uh, Tijuana, same thing, but there you can argue, like you said, uh, with the turf. 
Uh, Tijuana is probably the only team right now that has a major, major, major advantage um, without fans, you know. Um, well, most of the teams don't have fans. Uh, some of them, you know, are starting to have fans in the, in the stadium now. That's been making a difference a bit, too. We see, like, a team like Mazatlan. Uh, they've been playing really well at home. Uh, they were one of the first teams to let fans in uh, to the stadium. Uh, but, yeah, uh, talking about the teams that having a lot of fans in, uh, it's been kind of weird with the Liga Mekis. It seems like it shouldn't really make a difference uh, whether you play at home or away. But for some reason, you know, in the Liga Mekis, it just – I don't know if it's something mental with the players that it's usually hard to go to certain stadiums and they have that uh, or they like playing better at home at their stadium or – I don't know what it is, but for some reason, you know, in the Liga Mekis, it just seems to be making an impact. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing with Liga Mekis in Mexico in itself is I think, I mean, this is not a secret to anybody and this is not a political podcast whatsoever, but Liga Mekis in Mexico itself is a very political league and a very political country in the sense that it's very easy to get what you want when uh, you got dinero, okay? So um, I know that Tijuana has a lot of money, but in times of COVID, uh, Tijuana has been one of the worst places in the country to with COVID. So I feel like that's a big reason why we haven't let fans in Estadio Caliente, but also, you know, the teams that have started to let fans in are team are places that are like very touristy and people go there a lot. And Tijuana is not a very touristic uh, city. I mean, a lot of people from here come because it's right next to San Diego and they got tacos and all that stuff. But I mean, when you talk about Mazatlan, you talk about Guadalajara, you talk about all these teams that have let fans back in. It's uh, it's because of the the money. It's because of the money, the politics, and that's a very big thing in in uh, Mexican soccer. It's a very political uh, league, a very political sport, and it shouldn't really be like that, bro. I mean, I'm pretty sure Tijuana's in the yellow now, right? I'm from not. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they've been in the yellow for, for a while. For a while now. For yeah. Quite so, time. And that's, I think the rule was if you get in the yellow, you're going to let, that's when you can start letting fans in the in the stands and they haven't. And like, well, you were telling me earlier, um, you said it was Hank and the league officials having issues. And that's why we're not going to see the fans this season in the Estadio Caliente, right? Yeah, it's it's very it's very unlikely. I mean, it's a complicated issue there. I mean, yeah. Hank is running for for office uh, this year, uh, so yeah, it is, it is kind of a complicated issue there. Uh, we're like we said, we're not experts. Uh, we're not political. We're not Mexican uh, political experts here. <laughs> but um, there's definitely some issues uh, with uh, with Shovel's ownership and with league or uh, the league. Um, so. It seems like uh, having fans in the stands for, you know, the remaining, the remaining uh, two games in the season that are at home is very, very unlikely. Uh, basically, I really don't see it happening at all, which is pretty unfortunate. I mean, especially considering how a lot of teams now have fans in the stands. They're even saying they're going to open up uh, Mexico City, which is crazy. I mean, Mexico City, <laughs> it's huge. There's a lot of people there. Uh, that's one of the places in Mexico where there's been more deaths due to COVID, obviously because of population as well, uh, which is, yeah, which is pretty crazy that a place like Mexico is fans and people, uh, like you said, you know, they're in the, they've been in the yellow for quite some time now, but yeah, it just looks like it's not going to happen. Yeah. And even it's, it's crazy, you know, even here in the States, like, tomorrow's opening day for the Padres and they're going to have that 20% capacity. So it's like, if they're doing yeah. it here, like why can't they do it at the Estadio Caliente? Same thing. 20% capacity is a lot less th than it would be at Petco Park because Estadio Caliente is a lot smaller than, than let's say at Petco Park. So that's the thing with me um, is, you know, I hate, I don't, well, I mean, every, to each, to each their own, you know, everyone does their own thing, but I don't think, like owners and stuff like that should really be getting involved into the political side and then having a team because it just, you know, causes so much like controversy and confusion. And that's what we're seeing with Hank who in his own right has had his, you know, deals with political um, stuff in the past. And, you know, it's, it sucks to see that that's getting in the way from 
these passionate fans in Tijuana being able to go see their team that they love and they, they they'll die for, and that they die to go to a game. Um, because of that reason, it's like, you know, you know, you get jealous, you know, like all these other teams like Mazatlan, like Chivas now, um, Atlas and everybody that's allowed to go see their team play, like fans in Tijuana and, and the fans here in San Diego are like, damn, why can't that be us? And it's just it kind of sucks, you know, like you want to be able to go and have a, a fun time in Estadio Caliente and, you know, get some food before the game right there at the little tailgate, the little, sorry, the carne asada, like you said last time, the little carne asada is outside and, you know, una cheve inside the stadium. It's like, you can't do that anymore. It's like, you know, if we'd be able to if this stuff politically wasn't happening. It's sad, you know, that COVID has also become a political thing and it's prevented people from going to sporting events now over the over here in mexico so it sucks i mean i i, mean, I don't really like to get into politics but that's just the reality of things now and that's how that's what what it is that's why this is happening um you know every every sport in in the u.s every every sport in every state now and you know california is probably the most strict covid state in the country and even they are letting fans at petco park at dodger stadium at yeah uh, <laughs> That the, still no at the Staples Center. They're not basketball. They're not letting them in because of COVID, but that's fine. I mean, at least we get to go out to a baseball game in the summer. You know, at least we get to do all that. And I've had the, the opportunity to go to um, some baseball games and a NASCAR race and all that stuff in Arizona. So I've had the opportunity to do that. But, you know, you got to give mi gente out here in Tijuana, you got to give them the opportunity to go out and watch the last two games. I mean, I know there's only two games, but I mean, their off season isn't it isn't as long as baseball, soccer, or sorry, football, basketball. So they'll have the chance to go hopefully next tournament. But I mean, if we can get it going now, like let's just get it going. You know what I'm saying? Like let's let's get let's get everyone out there. Yeah, and we don't know like the ins and outs of what's going on. I mean, but there's there's clearly there's clearly issues going on right now. Uh, but also the pretty bad, pretty bad look on the league there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is not confirmed, nothing, but that's what it seems because, I mean, if Tijuana's in the yellow and they're one of the teams that charges the most, uh, you know, to, to go to the stadium, you know, they, they get a lot of money, money from ticket revenue. They get a lot of money from, from fans going to the games because they consume a lot, uh, from at the stadium, a lot of alcohol, a lot of drinks, a lot of snacks, a lot of, you know, it really helps out everybody, you know? It helps the economy uh, in Tijuana as well for there to be games, obviously. Uh, even if it was at, at a 20% capacity, it would still help out the economy a lot. It would help out a lot of people who are in need, uh, who who rely, you know, upon the games for, for income, you know, for their families. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, hopefully, hopefully the league isn't doing something there to retain, you know, Tijuana from having fans in the stands. Um, we're not saying they are, uh, but... Um, Hopefully this gets resolved next season because, you know, it really is a necessity for the city in general, I would say, uh, for there to be fans in the stands there in Tijuana because there are a lot of people that enjoy it and there are a lot of people that make their living off of it as well. Yeah, like that's that's the important thing is, um, you know, I know we sound pretty selfish when we're like, oh, we want we want to go back to the games. We want to have fun again. But you also got to remember or people got to remember that, you know, Cholos games is a livelihood for a lot of people because they work there. You know, that's how they bring in income and, you know, teams got to survive from selling tickets. And obviously, you know, Cholos, they got money, you know, they're owned by Hank Ron and he owns Caliente and, you know, they're, they're not struggling at all. I mean, they sponsor the whole, the whole league. Now they sponsor every team for the most part, um, apart from like two or three. So, you know, they got the money, they'll, they'll be fine. But, you know, these people who rely on Cholos games, who work security, who work the front, who work as food vendors, who do all that stuff. It's like, it's like, why not give them a chance to go back to work and make their money? I mean, it's very hard to find a job in Mexico as it is. You know, that's why people come over here. And, you know, the fact that you could open up the games again, you could do it, but you just, it just, you, you don't because of certain, uh, the current political climate and regarding the team is like, damn, like, you know, this could be fixed really easily and we could be getting out there and these people could get their jobs back. But it's just like, you know, like I said, this isn't a political podcast, but it's just the reality 
how things are now, especially with this team. And especially because, you know, we're, we're not used to it in this country, in the States, like people are, you know, how they are over there. That's just, that's just how life is, you know, very political, very, you know, you know, it's just, you know, I don't want to get into it, but that's just how, that's just how life is over there. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, like I said, uh, um, I personally doubt due to, due to, due to some information that um, we do have, I do doubt that um, the, the last couple of games we played with fans, but hopefully next season uh, we'll get this resolved. There'll be fans in the stands, um, hopefully in there for every Leo Mikey's team. Um, but yeah, um, we'll see what happens here the rest of the way. Uh, talking about, you know, Vladimir uh, now a bit. Uh, we, we mentioned them earlier. Uh, like he wasn't in the game there against Querétaro because he was with the Mexico national team with the U23 there in Guadalajara with mm-hmm. fans in the stands right there in those games. Yeah. Um, he was uh, he was playing pretty well there for uh, for Mexico. Uh, did was a consistent starter. Seems like uh, Jaime Lozano, the the Mexico manager, the U23 manager, um, has a lot of confidence in Loronia. And um, yeah, um, really really impressive. I was really really impressed with uh, how. Um, how well Loronia looked, how comfortable he looked there with the national team. I mean, he's been with this national team for a while, the, the U23. Um, but, yeah, uh, ever since he was with Puebla, actually. But, um, yeah, he looked very, very comfortable there playing for Mexico. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mexico is in the Olympics for a reason. The team, that team is outstanding. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, they're, to me... I mean, not just because I'm a Mexico fan, which I love the Mexican national team. And, you know, obviously in 2012 when we beat Brazil, it's like, dude, like if we get win the Olympics, like we have a great team. There's a reason that Mexico is ranked, what, ninth in the world in the FIFA standings? Yeah, ninth. Like, yeah. there's a reason. We have, like, we have a lot of good young players too. And it's just, that's just, you know, they showed it. And they showed it in this, um, World, or the, sorry, Olympic qualifying for the CONCACAF, like, the U.S. lost to Honduras. And it's not like I'm saying Honduras is a bad team. They've made, what, four of the last five Olympics or three out of the last five? You know, they're there. Yeah. They're going, too. So they're not a bad team whatsoever. But, like, you know, with everything the U.S. has and, like, all their, uh, you know, the money they got over here and all that stuff, it's it sucks not seeing – it's no, it doesn't really suck because I'm a Mexico fan, but – you know, it's kind of sad to see them struggle so much. And it's surprising as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, they have good players now. Like, they have all these guys in, in Barcelona. They have, what, Conrad de la Fuente and, you know, Serginho Dest and Gio Reyna, who are guys Dest. who are, yeah, they're young enough to play in uh, in for the Olympic team if they made it. So, but this Mexico team, man, you know, guys like, obviously, Loronia and uh, – uh, Alexis Vega, Santi Munoz, and uh, Roberto Alvarado, Uriel Antuna, Charlie Rodriguez, all those players. Cordoba as well. Yeah, all these players that have just, they, they're, Eric Aguirre, they play on the senior team too. So, you know, with, the, with this lineup, how good they were, and you add players like a healthy Raul Jimenez, uh, maybe a Tecatito, and Maybe another goalkeeper depends. Hopefully, it's not Guillermo, but uh, you know, you add three players who are elite on the senior team. Mexico should have no problem winning this Olympic team, and it's cool to see a guy from Tijuana or on the Cholo. Sorry, because I don't know if Loronia is from Tijuana or not, but uh, you know, oh, he's from Sonora, which is where my family's from. He's from, I think, he's from Caborca. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, not the point, but yeah, it's cool to see you guys. You know, not not every not every team has a player on the on the national team or especially on this U twenty three squad. So good to see a, a Cholos player there, and it's good to see um, you know Mexico playing so well. I mean, they played well. Um, you know, obviously the game went to penalties, but I enjoyed watching all the games in the qualifying. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, and Loronia, like I said, like really, really played well. Mexico team, those Mexico team, like you said, is very, very impressive. Uh, uh, they won obviously the the, the tournament there, uh, but yeah, like you said, they, this, they could really be favorites uh, looking ahead uh, to the Olympics a bit. Uh, but yeah, Loronia, I mean, a great guy. I've interviewed him a few times. I've known him a bit more personally. Uh, great, great person. Like he really has the mentality there. Uh, he enjoys, you know, just uh, being on the field. 
playing soccer, you know, doing his stuff. Uh, but yeah, a great guy. You know, I'm a, I haven't mentioned it before, but you know, my team is actually Puebla and, um, I was like absolutely crushed when, uh, when he signed for Cholos uh, on a personal level, just because I knew like I, ever since he was with Puebla, you know, they called him up to the national team and I was, was absolutely crushed uh, because I knew, I knew like he had a great future, but now, I mean, it's, it's good to see him there uh, in Tijuana. Um, you know, he really has been playing well for Cholos. I really think he's one of the key players. He's, he's obviously, you know, a, a key starter. I mean, Gede is just not going to take him out. He is, you know, uh, one of the main guys who uh, will not lose his job. And I mean, Loronia, good to see him doing well. Uh, but now, Andre, talking about uh, the standings, you know, uh, Cholos in eighth place now. Um, they're still in it, obviously. Uh, with the format, uh, you can finish top twelve, and you'll be you'll have a, a chance uh, to get into Liguilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks hard uh, for them to get into top four to get a, a spot uh, right into the Liguilla, especially considering uh, when you see the teams that are in the top four. You know, Cruz Azul that's obviously going to get in there, America that's obviously going to get in there, and then you have Santos who can drop out of the top four. But uh, Monterrey, who's also, who also looks uh, like a favorite, who looks like a pretty good team there, it has that four spot. Uh, but there are only three three points uh, in difference between uh, Cholos and Monterrey, which is you know uh, part of part of what's a uh, magic in the Liga MX uh, there. Uh, that it's very competitive, and a lot of teams are still in it. They're still in the hunt for the top four, but it just seems unlikely at this point, right? Yeah, there's no. I don't think there's an absolute single shot in the world that they make top four. I mean, um, they're eighth because of the last three games, which wasn't the best, and and they don't have the. I don't think they have the easiest of schedules in the next five games. I mean, it's not like they're playing Monterrey, America, and Tigres again, like they did in the three games before um, the Pachuca game. But I mean, you have Atlas, you have Mazatlan, you have Chivas, Necaxa, and Cruz Azul, like. I don't think they're going to win every single one of those games if they do. And if they were to make it in fourth or in one of the top four, that's, that's awesome. But do I see it happening? I don't. It's just, it's the reality of it. Yeah. And then, and then also like with the, with the schedule, I mean, three games are away. So that's the big thing right there. Uh, that the three games are the three of the games are away. Uh, mm-hmm. you have, and then you have a, a couple games there where there will be fans in the stands uh, for sure. I mean, against Atlas uh, there, the next game uh, this Saturday, uh, there will there will be fans there at the Estadio Jalisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Mazatlan will actually be in, in Tijuana actually that game. Oh yeah, and then but um, uh, the other game where the fans will be the the Chivas game, the Chivas yeah. game. So a couple games there in Guadalajara. Cholos fans are interested in going to Guadalajara. You could see Cholos live uh, uh, there at the Estadio Jalisco or at the Estadio Cron. Uh, you know, the Saturday against Atlas or April 17th there against uh, Chivas. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are pretty tough games, especially considering how Atlas has been playing recently. Atlas started started out uh, pretty pretty bad, uh, but now they're in sixth place. They had this crazy uh, eight-game uh, undefeated streak, which was snapped against Cruz Azul uh, in their last game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Atlas a pretty good team. Uh, they have uh, Diego Coca there, who uh, former manager of, uh, of Cholos. Um, yeah, they use a pretty uh, defensive style of play, uh, counter-attacking style of play, which, of course, goes against uh, Guedes' uh, current uh, possession-based uh, uh, style of play. So, probably, you know, the Okoka is going to try to uh, put some counter-attacks in there. Atlas has some pretty fast players, uh, like Renato Ibarra uh, right there. Uh, they're pretty solid squad overall there for Atlas. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really think this next game against Atlas is going to be pretty tough. Uh, I'm expecting a loss or a draw. I really don't think Cholos can pull off a win, to be honest, away from home. Yeah, me neither. And also, what I think kind of helps uh, Atlas in this situation here is they have uh, a couple of former players of Tijuana that play with Atlas, and they play with their former manager as well. Um, which is what is Victor Malcorra and Milton Caraglio. I mean, Caraglio hasn't played in Tijuana, I think, since 2016. But, I mean, he knows how the system works, and Malcorra a little bit recently, 2018. So that a lot of people don't get that, you know. Even if you don't have the same manager as when you were in, the, like, on your former team, you know how that team is. So that's going to help it them, you know, win the game. And, obviously, Coca, 
was the manager in Tijuana um, until 2018. So, I mean, I don't think they'll win either. I mean, if they do, good. I'm, glad, I, I'm like, I want that. It's not that I want them to lose, but it's just Atlas is going to be a harder game than Pachuca and then, you know, Querétaro. And, you know, it's just, you know, the fans is going to, having fans in the stands is really going to, you know, dictate the way the game goes, in my opinion. And, you know, Atlas having that. I mean, yeah, we, we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it with uh, with Mazatlan. I mentioned it earlier. Mazatlan was one of the first teams that let fans in, and they've been playing really well at home. I think with Atlas, uh, they have a very, very passionate fan base. Uh, arguably one of the best fan bases in the league, to be honest with you. I mean, those guys have been uh, there with the team for a lot of years, and they haven't really been good for a long time, but they don't care. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, like I said, it's really an advantage to have fans in the stands at this point for any Liga Mekis team, which is also a reason why Cholos should consider uh, having fans in the stands as well. Or uh, it's it, it would be a positive, you know, for the team to have fans in the stands. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, talk about this game. And, again, the Chivas game as well, which is pretty tough there to play at the Estadio Acron uh, with fans. I mean, also for Mexico, it obviously made a difference with the U23 team having fans in the stands there in Guadalajara. Um, but, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with those two games. Uh, but I'm not expecting the best results in those away games. And then the last game of the season against Cruz Azul uh, will be in Mexico City. There's rumors that there could be fans in the stands in Mexico City. That game is until May 1st. So a lot of time there for potential fans in the stands for that game. Uh, also not expecting the best result. I mean, Cruz Azul is, are the league leaders, and it's always tough to play at the at the Estadio Azteca. Uh, but, yeah, the, the away games just seem absolutely uh, very, very tough. They're for Joe. The home games seem a bit more possible there against Mazatlan, who is a team that plays better at home. And Necaxa, again, who's a team that plays better at home. Those games seem a lot more possible there for Cholos. And I would say at this point, those two games are like absolute must wins, 100%. You need to get the three points or you have a chance of not even making the top 12. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's crazy to me because, um, you know, we thought that the games against uh, Tigres, America, and Monterrey were going to be like the most pivotal, but I think these last couple games is going to be really, really pivotal for Tijuana and where they end up in the in the table. Because if they lose all five or four of the five, they could have even have a chance to not even make it into the top twelve. So I mean, like we said, Atlas is going to be hard. Mazatlan, you know, it's going to be in, in Tijuana, but I mean, they're not a bad team. And Chivas. You know, they're not the best, but, you know, playing in El Lacron and in Guadalajara is always hard. It's always difficult. And Cruz Azul, um, they're fantastic. So, you know, it, we could even see that chance where they not even make it to the Liguilla, which I don't think was going to happen. I think Tijuana, they will make it in, whether they make it in eighth, fourth, or twelfth. I think they will. Um, me as a, uh, as a uh, Chivas fan, it's always like um, – you know, when they play Chivas, I'm like, oh, mm, well, do I want them to win? No. But at the same time, it's always such a good game against Chivas. So I'm, I'm excited for that. And I'm just uh, – I'm hopeful that Tijuana – Tijuana usually plays pretty well, uh, I would say, in, uh, in Guadalajara, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do. So – which is good. I mean, they they know how to play there. They, 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 they've had success. And the games I've been to in Tijuana against Guadalajara, it's – it hasn't been Chivas dominating. It's Tijuana's won a bunch, and so have Chivas, and it's like you know pretty even against them. So we'll see. It's so it's just so like you just we don't know. Soccer's such a like an un like we can't tell who's gonna win for the most part in Mexico. I think it's one of the more uh, under appreciated leagues because it's so much competition where you just don't even know anymore who's gonna win. Like. In the Liguilla last in the <laughs> Liguilla last season, Cruz Azul, they were what four zero up in the first game, and then they lost the second. Like, <laughs> you just don't know, and it's and that's why I love yeah. this, this league. And, and hopefully Tijuana, they do well, but you know they got some tough, tough games. And um, like like we've said in, in early in the podcast, another podcast, get us the lineup situations. You know you gotta you gotta get that taken care of because with the Established lineup that plays well, you're going to have success. But if you're just going to keep changing people and putting in a new player every game and all that stuff, it's just like, 
you know, it's a kind of a recipe for disaster. Yeah, a uh, pro tip, do not bet on the league of my piece. Worst league to bet on ever. <laughs> Worst sport to bet on ever. Um, but yeah, definitely don't bet on the league of my keys. Um, because you just never know. Like like Andres, you just never, never know what's gonna happen there. Yeah. No but um, yeah, overall, you know, it is a tough schedule, like we said. Yeah, it is a very, very tough schedule. Uh, but we'll see what happens here with Cholos against Atlas. Like I said, the next game, uh, this Saturday is gonna be pretty tough. Uh, that's the next game in there. If you want to see Cholos in person, you still can. I mean, fights are pretty cheap to Guadalajara. Uh, if you want to go for it, uh, there's your opportunity to see Cholos live. Uh, but yeah, it uh, looks like it'll be improbable to see Cholos uh, with fans in the stands this season, which is unfortunate. Uh, but overall, Andre, uh, any final thoughts here uh, for this podcast? Um, let's get let's get let's get the stadium open. I'm trying to go down there. I want to go to a game. <laughs> I want all my people to go to a game. I want people to get their jobs back. And I want it all. I want all of it. Like if I have, if I can go to a spring training game and a Padre game and a Coyotes game, a Suns game, I should be able to go down to Tijuana and have a beer at the stadium and, you know, have some fun. You know, everyone else is doing it. Why can't we? Like, why can't we? We already struggle so much as sports fans in San Diego with one team who was complete crap until last season and the Chargers are not here. So like, you know, you're just making us, you're just making us struggle for no reason. Like, come on. <laughs> well, well said Andre there. Chargers left, Clippers left, everybody left San Diego. Only the Padres stand. Well, <laughs> Um, yeah, guys, uh, hopefully that gets started out. Uh, but yeah, uh, this, that'll be it for this podcast, guys. Uh, Andre, where can people follow you uh, on your Twitter? You want to plug anything? Yeah, uh, follow me on my Twitter. It's at Andre Beltron ASU. Um, that's my Twitter. And then you can also follow my Instagram at Andre Beltron double N. So that'll also be in there too. Yeah, thank you. You guys you can follow me uh at francisco efv and as well you know always follow east village times uh thank you to each list times to james uh, for making this possible and well um thank you guys appreciate you andre uh yeah hopefully chose <laughs> get fans in this tent soon that is the main thing uh but yeah thank you guys for another episode here hope you guys enjoyed it and that'll be it thank you Stamper